Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Industry Tactics. Friendly Rich here. I'm excited to say that live music is back in my world. So go to friendlyrich.com to learn more about some upcoming live dates that I've got. Very excited to uh, to be back on the stage performing and reconnecting with all of you. So come out and say hello if you're able to, if you're in the Toronto area. And um, on the podcast today, one of the world's greatest accordionists, and I don't, I don't, I'm not just saying that. Um, Berkeley trained. He's performed with the likes of Yo-Yo Ma and uh, Ciro Batista, Kevin Bright. The list goes on. Michael Jude Ward Bergman. So let's go to school. This one's a little longer because, I mean, I took all the time Michael would give me, essentially. And what a joy. What an amazing storyteller. Uh, He's got a a recording, The Saints and Sinners of Jackson Square, out on Spotify and all all other uh, streaming platforms. And there's an upcoming film, a really beautiful film that we talk about of the same title that uh, in this podcast uh, that's coming out soon. So we also hear a bunch of unreleased uh, work that he's he's working on at the moment. So that's a, a real joy to talk with Michael Jude Ward Bergman. Here it is now. Enjoy Industry Tactics. Hacha. <laughs> time to start it's time to start recording here we're here it's episode 147 why did it take that many episodes to get to talk to i'm declaring it right here you're hearing it live on in not so live on industry tactics the greatest accordionist in the world welcome that's right you heard right i don't but i don't you know I I'm think not I dropping got some in my ear. I'm not dropping that lightly. Uh, you're still a little hot. Just be careful. You're you're just a little close to it. Is all. Okay. There you go. You're you're into it. I love it. Industry tactics. But don't let me tell the greatest accordionist in the world how to do anything. All right. I'm not sitting here mansplaining how to get in get on that mic. He's a little hot. He's allowed to be hot. You know why? The greatest accordionist in the world with us here today, Michael Rube Ward Bergman. Did I get it right? No. You know what? My middle name is actually Jude after St. Jude. Michael. So I don't know. Jude Ward Bergman after St. Jude. Yes. That's better. I, was, I, I apologize. I'm, and I'm glad I asked. Okay. There you go. So, uh, uh, there and you I, didn't, I did get it right when I came to the greatest accordionist in the world. Well, you know, I always say it's hard to say that about anybody, and especially in that instance, you know, I, mm-hmm. man, I just listened to uh, some friends of mine today that I haven't listened to in a long time, the Tariff de Hadoukes. I had a, a gypsy group from uh, Romania. Okay, there you and, go. Uh, there you go. And 
uh, I had a recording off the board from a concert they did in Edinburgh yeah. back yeah. in the 2000s. And uh, I just heard their accordion playing. And I said to a friend of mine who is a fellow Torontonian, Tur- David Bookbinder. Okay. Yes. And uh, he was in my room. And I said, I thought I knew how to play accordion. Jeez, jeez, <laughs> jeez, have to jeez. listen to that. So, well, it's, it's, it's nice to hear that a guy with your chops and your the depth in, 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 in your experience can still be taken to school every now and again. That's good to hear. I'm taking to school just about. I try to be taken to school as much as possible. Yeah, isn't yep. that the point? That is the point. That is the point. Right? Um, I'm thankful. I, I we, we're giving it a little long here because I know this conversation. I'm trying to <laughs> curb it a little bit because we've getting to know you over the years, and I'm I, I'm honored to have you know. I just feel really lucky to have connected with you as a, as a human. And, and, and such a, a powerhouse musician. Um, but, you know, what, what struck me about you was just that first day I met you where you took me on a, on a tour of the Lower Ninth Ward and you really, in uh, you just uh, immediately it felt like um, you were an old friend. And that's weird. You know, I don't get that all the time, but um, I really appreciate that. And, and it's it seems like every time we connect, it grows. It, it, it kind of goes in different directions i get to know a little more about what excites you about music and 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 why you do what you do so i'm really stoked to have you on the podcast here as you can tell um yeah, well i thank you yeah, and man. you know the feeling is mutual and i i man i'm so lucky i have so many uh canadians specifically mm-hmm. uh friends from toronto that i really have that kind of closeness with even though we might not see each other a lot and have yeah. known each other for that long it's really uh you know uh, like like you said you're grateful i'm equally grateful and oh. it's really like a blessing of life to meet people and have a resonance with them mm. and uh you know see yourself in them too i mean mm-hmm. we've shared a lot of that some of the connections that i'm sure mm-hmm. we probably will touch on today yeah you know <laughs> you know we didn't know each other for what most of our lives and right, then we right. meet up and right. it's like oh wow and then we just kept hitting yep. on all these resonant points and that's fascinating yep. to me yeah and a lot of it dates back to and links to our mutual friend Episode two on this podcast, I might add, just number two, Dave Clark. And I, I put the peace uh, sign up. I mean, yeah, yeah. isn't that special? Episode two on this podcast. This podcast didn't barely had a voice at that point, but I look back on it, and uh, that was a special conversation. And he he's a universe unto himself, isn't he? Absolutely. And such a lovely person. My word. Yeah, I really love him deeply and i was lucky because as you probably uh i imagine you might have touched on new orleans a little bit you know he comes yeah, down here yeah. as much as possible yeah and uh he was down here one time and we got to to play a bunch and he sat in with mm-hmm. me and my wife and just again like i just looked at my wife when we were playing because she didn't really know him and i said this uh-huh. is what this is what it's all about here. is, is your wife a musician so- as well Michael? Yes, she's a vocalist and she's okay. uh, a choir conductor. She's from Venezuela. Okay, she's yeah. a choir conductor. Amazing, amazing. So, uh, did she connect with the? Uh, I guess she's immersed or or connected loosely, maybe with the Sistema 
way of doing things. Exactly. You called it. Um, She went through, you know, the the choir program in Caracas didn't have uh, a specific uh, of a program as the Sistema. That was more an orchestral thing. But it was, of course, it was partnered with that. And she knew all those musicians and had that similar experience, which, you know, you talked about me being the the greatest whatever. Yeah. When I look at people like my wife and like my Roma friends Mm -hmm. and. And, uh, mm-hmm. and see the way they grew up immersed in yes, uh, yes. a tradition. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like sometimes I, I've gotten over being like jealous and saying to myself, I wish I had that because I'm just trying to be yeah. grateful for the upbringing that I did have. Nicely but put. I, Thank you for that. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know, but there was a time when I said, oh, I wish that happened. Holy shit. You know, I wish I had more of I grew up on Long Island and the culture. It's, I, I, as much as I love my childhood, you know, yeah. for yeah. me, it was focused around the malls, basically. <laughs> you know, I didn't <laughs> yeah. have yeah. a yeah. rich thing, even yeah. though the city was close. But yeah. the other thing with my wife, and that's also with uh, kids who were lucky enough to go through the Sistema program. Yeah. A lot of those kids, my wife included my wife's father is a salsa uh, musician, plays piano and writes yeah. music, and her mother was also a uh, an artist. Wow! So she wow. grew up with these strong folk traditions of, of uh, Afro-Cuban music and Latin music, mm-hmm. but then from a young age, she had the whole classical thing, and that is just a power place to be because you have an understanding of groove and the function of folk music and then you bring in the kind of uh academic side of things yeah it's a really amazing thing to experience you know it's not an accident that gustavo dudamel you know went on to like be the music director of of los angeles exactly exactly right yeah it's um i mean uh no, it's an inspiring model. I certainly uh, pull from it in in my work in community music over here in, in the city of Toronto. Um, and I wonder, um, and you know that that idea. I'm see, I'm still not quite uh, over that idea of like every moment I've I spent in New Orleans felt like that moment of like. Shit, man! I just wish I uh, fuck it. I wish I grew up here. I wish I lived here. I gotta be here as much as I can. You know, I, I'm sure that's not um, uh, abnormal for people to think, right? Uh, that's sure. the, the the parades, the second line culture, all of it, right? And um, when did you collide with New Orleans? Like, how do you go from? I know that's a huge story, but let's hear it. How do you go from Long Island and growing up to to that? Yeah, well, let me start a little bit backwards and just say that I'm really lucky because mm. uh, I don't – New Orleans was so huge for me that I didn't even have time to say what you just said. Oh, I wish that I had grown up here and all these things. It was, I was, it was like being thrown into the Mississippi River down here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just swimming, baptized. trying yeah. to stay. Yeah, you're oh. baptized, and you're also starting to stay afloat and just absorb <laughs> everything and, yeah, you yeah. know, get mud in your mouth. And, like, you know, you're yeah, like, yeah, it's sure. a whole – the whole thing but we did have a son here shortly after we moved here you know okay. our, our son gabriel was born so okay. that to me is a point of of pride because new orleans is on his birth certificate and when he was two months old we took him to a mardi gras indian practice so Holy he, smoke. He, and, yeah. and he's continued to be a part of that so he is somebody that is born here i don't know if we'll be here the rest of our lives probably not but at least i know that he has 
experience it's in his that. blood yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. and you know what's funny about mentioning the river is that i heard a, a great program on the radio here once and they were mm-hmm. talking about the river and because most of the drinking water in new orleans comes from the mississippi and mm-hmm. since most of uh, human beings are made up of water mm-hmm. the people that live in new orleans have the mississippi river flowing in them god damn so you know god it's, damn. It, it, my, so my my son has that so that's special that is yeah special. for sure so Man. to go back to how yeah. i wound up here yeah. you know yeah i've been a musician my whole life you know uh, stumbling around with the you know different you know ways that i grew up in playing classical piano but also playing you know rock and pop music and yeah, uh, eventually yeah. picking up the accordion and being interested in all kinds of things. But I always would hear because of, I guess, when people would hear me play music, it kind of had some of that New Orleans in there for some reason. Is that and right? They would always go, you need to go to New Orleans. So I always okay. heard that growing up. And particularly okay. when I picked, started picking up the accordion in, mm-hmm. in my late teens, yeah. they always said that. So it was a seed that was planted. It was far back in there. Okay. Um, but it was there. And then I where just. Do, where do you uh, think that comes from? Is it just the music that you were listening to or just. Yeah, if I had to take a stab, I think my dad was really into uh, music from African Americans, you know, uh, pop music and R&B like Ray Charles. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't deny uh, the African American influence on, on just about everything in the United mm-hmm. States and the pop music. I think it all, you know, it's blue, mm-hmm. gospel, blues, rock. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and so yeah. growing up listening yeah. to that stuff, I think I had it. Maybe I was lucky enough to latch on to some of those key components that were in the music and, 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 mm-hmm. and they interested me and it reflected a little bit in the music that I played played as a kid mm-hmm. um but i don't really know but the, it definitely stayed with me and then it, but it took me coming back to the united states after traveling around north and south america and europe for for like t- over 10 years mm-hmm. uh and not knowing what i was going to do in the united states and deciding to like just travel around for a year and i, I did this project called the gig 365 project where i played a, a a gig at least once a day okay and and that i hit about 40 states and one of the places <laughs> i came to in 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 march i think was the was the month uh, of 2011 i came to new orleans for the first time and mm-hmm. it just hit me really hard I mean, and and I was traveling all over the place that wow, year, wow, wow. and New Orleans stayed head and tr- like it was just like the, it's the thing that stayed with me. It was really a, a, just an epiphany of of mm, mm, unimaginable mm. proportions. Mm, mm. Um, so, you know, I didn't when I finished that year. We were living in Florida in Gainesville, which is yeah. eight hours uh, due. Uh, east of of new orleans so you could we we would go every once in a while and you know we we were gently kind of wound up here after trying a few things that didn't quite pan out we were like looking at each other going we don't want to stay in gainesville as much as we loved it we Mm. said let's try new orleans and when we came here i i kind of hit the ground running because i had already primed the well okay (laughs) okay 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 wow wow had you um so just we're going to go a little deeper, obviously, in, in, your, in your your work in New Orleans. But I'm interested in, like, how you kind of found your musical voice, how you got these chops refined the way they are. Uh, like, when you say 
Did you did, did you study music post secondary at a like a college or university? Like, what's your education yes, look like? I went to Berkeley College of Music. There you go. Uh, there you go. In my late twenties, I I worked as a musician uh, from the time I was in my early teens. Okay, and uh, really wow. since I was a kid, because my mom would drag me around to nursing homes and things that I would play there. Wow. I, I didn't get wow. paid, but but wow. I played like a lot of stuff in that context. And then when I became a teenager, I started gigging and continuing to play nursing homes for like a, a for a gig. And yeah. then um, until I finally decided that I wanted to really learn more about music. It was wow. actually a choice. It was either go to Berkeley or go mm-hmm. to the Cirque du Soleil school. Because I was I was also a clown Oof. my whole life, so is that right? Up, is that for yeah. real? Yes, it is. But holy and, uh, shit, man! The reason I picked up the accordion is because I was teaching uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. I was teaching them circus arts at a public school on Long Island, and Unreal. I needed a portable instrument. And my grandfather played the accordion. I was always okay. heard about it, and I okay. said, "Oh, let me try the accordion." And it's a good thing that I waited that long because if I had it in high school, I probably would have been expelled. And yeah. I'm not kidding, because I would have brought it to school, because I always did crazy stuff in high school. Yeah, yeah, and if yeah, I yeah. had a portable instrument like that, that I could have, yeah, like, yeah. I would have been in trouble. <laughs> really, really, really. That's interesting. It sounds like a punk rock approach to accordion, which we, we appreciate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It so walk, exactly me through, walk me through what that choose-your-own-adventure would have looked like. How, how do you think you might have gotten in trouble, like a 14-, 15-year-old Michael? Well, look, here's something that we did that might give you a little bit of an example. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. we had the ROTC, which yep. I don't even remember what it stands for, but it's like the military kind of training yeah, program yeah. in the high yeah. school. Yeah. And um, at the time, I think it was the one of the Gulf Wars. I've lost track of all the yeah, wars yeah, that, the, yeah. that the United States has got us into. Mm-hmm. But um, And we, were, we and a group of friends were kind of really not happy about it. And, okay, okay. Um, you know, because the ROTC would do their exercises and you'd see, you know, even though it wasn't a military school, it was a public school, but we would see that kind of yeah. theme. And we we felt like, you know, hey, you know, there should be a counter theme, you know, in the, in the realm of ideas. Mm-hmm. So we had heard that there was going to be a survey done for the we were juniors at the time in 11th grade and they were going to get the entire junior class into the auditorium to do these surveys and we knew because we had participated the previous year in the surveys Mm -hmm. that they didn't really matter it was a way to appease the student body to make it sound like they were being listened to so they could go hey we gave you the surveys we did all this stuff so we were like all right here's what we're going to do we're going to wait. We were very respectful. We said we're going to wait until everybody's done talking and all the kids are quiet filling out their forms. And we, I had the combination to the nine-and-a-half-foot uh, concert grand that was in a cage backstage. And okay. I had a, fr- a friend that played bass, Ted McAvoy. Yeah. And um, <laughs> this should be good. When, when, when it got quiet, I had another friend, Frank Quinn, and he, because we had electronic curtains, you know, for the stage. So we gave him the look. We, we quietly pulled the piano out. He got his bass, the acoustic bass, yeah. on in place. We looked at Frank. He hit the button. The curtains opened, and we just started playing something about peace and love and not going to war. Okay. okay. Well, well, here's what happened. This was a very, it was a profound moment because yeah. we looked out. And nobody knew what was going on. 
So the kids started looking at all the teachers who also were as bewildered as they were. And when the kids saw that the teachers were bewildered, they went nuts cheering for us. And they didn't even know what we were singing. It didn't matter. They just huh. they just saw. Yeah. So it. The, yeah. let it me worked. tell you, the, yeah. the vice, yeah. well, I don't know if it worked, but it uh-huh, was uh-huh. insane. It was so nuts that the vice principal, one of the vice principals who was wearing like yeah. a knee length skirt, yeah, 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 tried to throw her leg up onto the stage to jump on stage, not realizing that it, that's impossible to do if you're wearing okay. a skirt. Like right, she's right. trying to kick her leg up on this high stage that was like, I don't know how many feet off the ground, but it was like a regular stage. The, the only way to get up is really to use the stairs, but she was so petrified. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we get carted off. And, what a scene. What a scene. It, it was a scene, man. It was, it could have easily. You know, it, it, this is yeah. back in the yeah. late 80s, so it was yeah. a little bit t- tamer. Then, I, I was... love the, the counterculture vibe, though, and it sounds like it was an actual circus with this teacher putting her leg up on the stage. Oh, you know? it was more than a I don't know. I don't know what you would use to describe yeah. but it. It was p- pandemonium. I mean, that's really what it was. So anyway, yeah, we another vice principal who I was kind of more friendly with and he knew who I was. He came up and he like looked at me and he's like. He shut the lid of the 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 piano keys, and he just goes ooh, to me. He goes, ooh, ooh. "That was a nice poem you and Tommy wrote for the yearbook." Because we wrote some poem. He okay. didn't even know. So they they cart us off to the office, and we go sit. And my friend Ted was a um, was senior, so he was going to like some university. Yeah. So we were sitting in the woman, the vice principal, who tried to throw her leg up. She yeah. comes in and she closes oh the door oh and she looks at us and she goes. Why did you do that? And she breaks down in tears. Oh, oh. So me and Ted are looking at each other. Oh, like, my God. Oh my. And Ted is immediately panicking because his parents are going to kill him because now he's worried that he's going to get some kind of mark on yeah. his record. Yeah. That's yeah. going to yeah. ha- yeah. not yeah. happen. Now, yeah. now, for me, yeah. I didn't care about it because I wasn't going to college. You were going to the I circus. Was, I was. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you get into the circus. That's how you get into the circus. I was like, yeah. I was totally anti-establishment everything. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. So anyway, so we managed to get out of there, but we got, we had a week of in-school suspension and, you know, all the kids were putting free Mike and Ted on the off. Like it was, became a whole movement really, Wow! but it it didn't mean anything because the message got lost in the fact that the kids saw that we did something that went against the flow of power. Right. You right, know, that, right. that, so that's what right, it became. Right. And it was a real kind of teaching moment. I don't know mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. I took. For, I've been, you know, repeatedly uh, kind of offered that lesson throughout life. But mm-hmm. that was certainly the craziest. And, and to realize that as a teenager, to yeah. see that. I, was you know, it, I, I, I also gleam from that story, like the danger in trying to make an artistic statement <laughs> that 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 gets picked up and misinterpreted by a group of people and all of a sudden you might be feeding the problem instead of um helping uh, we we all make art to help create a better world and solution what happens when the art goes wrong i almost feel like i'm a master at that cuz i'm a shitty songwriter so i I'll, well I'll, I'll, you know yeah i'll write a song well called said. I'll write a song called I Ain't Racist But, true story, from my Bountiful record, look it up. And on that, I played it a couple of years after, and I wrote, 
fuck, am I on the wrong side of this? Shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like pe- people were listening to the lyrics going, are you sure? You know, and it's, it's, it's. I was trying to write it from the perspective of a racist in my town who uh, openly told me she was a racist. But it's like, you got to be careful. It's a dangerous game if you do it poorly, as I do. you got to be careful of this. So it's a... I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I've seen it time and time, and time again where the art can be misinterpreted and taken in a wrong direction from the wrong listener, right? Like, yeah. Well, well look. Mm. I mean, this is... Uh, you hit on something that's another... A theme that goes even well beyond what we're talking about mm-hmm. uh and that is you know i can't help but think that we're arrogant to think that we're actually uh yeah bringing this stuff into creation right because look mm. i i this is going to take a minute <laughs> so tell me to stop if you i'm if sitting you down yeah, yeah yeah all right all right so now, in high school, everybody here learns about a great American poet, Robert Frost, who's internationally known. Yeah. And there's one poem in particular that's been adopted by uh, in the United States and elsewhere as like a self-help poem uh, called The Road Not Taken. Mm-hmm. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I being one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. And, and so it goes on. It's, a, it's relatively short. Mm-hmm. But we were always taught that the poem uh, meant, you know, look, take the road not taken because that's the, you know, that's the, you that's know, the you American aspire, way. You want to yeah. aspire to that great road. Yeah. Now, yeah. I went on, as I said touring these nursing homes and eventually i even worked in a nursing home as a wow. recreational therapist wow. and i did a lot of music i played music from you know the late 1800s and the mm-hmm. early 1900s mm-hmm. and um you know you would do that for the, the the residents when they were sitting in the function room but there were some residents that couldn't leave their rooms and you'd have to obviously also go visit them mm-hmm. and i met this woman ann baker okay and um she was a, a dietitian who had become paralyzed from the from the, the neck down. Wow. Okay, okay. The bedridden. Okay. And she loved to listen to poetry, so we would read oh. poetry. And then I found out that she really loved Robert Frost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I read her the poems, and I read her The Road Not Taken, and she would always mouth the words, the last words of the poem, which is, I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Oh, oh. And, and she would mouth it, and she had, like, she would always have, like, not always, but a lot of times she'd have, like, cornflakes on her mouth. And she was a beautiful woman. I can't yeah. even tell you how beautiful. Just radiant, but yeah. completely yeah. paralyzed, could barely speak. So this yeah, is yeah. as a young kid. I was 19, 20 years old. Jeez. This was a very deep thing, and, and I struggled <clears throat> with the meaning of the poem. And then I had a friend who had a recording of Robert Frost reciting the poem. I brought yeah. those tapes into her. And I would always look forward to seeing. I can remember the sunlight coming in through her window as we wow. – we, uh, would recite that poem we always would end with that poem anyway wow, wow. so wow. cut to 10 years later i'm living in england and touring around and somehow we wind up in a place called dimmock 
okay. which is where Robert Frost and a bunch of other poets lived. So he just decided to move there, and um, we Neat. went and visited. And there's, uh, there's, uh, it's renowned for its uh, wild daffodils, okay. which okay. Um, is they theorize that that's the yellow wood that Robert Frost was talking about in the poem. Okay. So then I became interested in the poem again. I started to read that when you really look at the poem mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and also look at what Robert Frost said about the poem, mm -hmm. it does not say what everybody's been taught it said and it does not there's a whole self-help industry that's built around this poem. There you go. He wrote he wrote the poem as a joke. To another poem, I, uh, to another poet that he used to take walks in the woods with. Unreal. And uh, I forget his name. I, I mean, I know his name, but I'm getting old now, so names don't. I can it's okay. Forget names it's okay. on a drop of a dime. But he, he was a good friend of, this, of Robert Frost, okay. and he wrote it like saying, "You can never make up your mind," and you know, you're always saying. Then when you when we go on the walk, you, you're asking me, "Oh, imagine if we took that other road." Got it. Got it. Got if it. Got read it. the if you read the poem very carefully, which I encourage anybody who's interested in this poem to go back and read it. If mm -hmm. you don't know that there's this alternative alternative possibly more aligned with what the author intended yeah. uh, version of it you should reread it closely because when you go back and read it you see that he describes both roads and they're actually incredibly similar if mm. not the same mm -hmm. and the the way the poet finishes is he goes i shall be telling this ages and ages hence with a sigh two roads diverged in a wood and i i took the road less traveled by and you know what that's like that's like your grandfather saying when i was your age i walked 20 miles in the snow to go to school right right you know he's using exaggeration and right. making up so it's wow. so talk wow. about art getting away from the intention of yes. the artist yes i yes. don't know you know i don't wow, know it, 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 once art is born yeah who, yeah who owns it whose hands is it in to, to yeah. interpret it yeah 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 no it's a really good really good point i'm surprised it's taken us this long to to get into that but you're you're honestly one of the first i'm talking about with this i'm i love it i love the i i love that concept i it scares me too to also think of how something uh, the, the Randy Newman example comes to mind of of, of of lyrics in a song kind of taking on a whole other meaning and then it it it's sticking with the, maybe the audience that you were intending to um, speak out against you know it's which a, song which what are you talking about oh I I don't know the name of the tune I'm getting old too but I know uh, the, the, one of his uh, big tunes about uh, racism about racism. It could yeah. be the Sail Away, which is one of my... I don't know too many Randy... I mean, yeah. I love him, yeah. but there's one yeah. tune that I fell in love with and played a lot. It's called okay. Sail Away. And it okay. goes, uh, you know, in America, you get food to eat. Don't have to run through the jungle and scuff up your feet. Yeah, yeah. You sing about Jesus and drink wine all day. It's great to be an American. Yeah, <laughs> and fuck. it's basically what, what, the, what the setting is, is that it's a, who's singing the song mm -hmm. is a slave ship mm -hmm. captain trying to convince Africans mm -hmm. to come to how great mm -hmm. it is in America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see that being misinterpreted. Mis <laughs> misinterpreted. And, uh, you know, like, it's, it's just, it, it is fascinating. It's a fascinating topic and we got to take it seriously right like it, it actually is for me it's been a reminder and just a constant kick that like 
take this shit seriously. It does matter. I, for a second, I thought you were going to get into just the... Uh, it is also arrogant to think that any of this shit that we do r- really matters when um, Putin's about to invade the Ukraine and, 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 well, and we, wait, we do our best. Wait, we sorry, do our best. Sorry, you know? sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Not... I never meant to imply that it doesn't matter. It matters more than anything what i meant to i hope so express what i meant to express is that it's arrogant to think that we as an individual Mm -hmm. created the art i am proposing Mm -hmm. that the art is channeled through us and we are oh yeah okay so i i i nice nice uh, that, that that's more of. I what appreciate I'm that clarification. To, what I appreciate I'm that. Okay. Okay. Because okay. Uh, you know, I don't think this. I mean, it's more important than ever. I to, mean, it, it feels like it is, yeah. right? It feels like it is. And in the in two episodes ago, speaking with Homer Flynn, and he yes. cite, he cites um, Kurt Vonnegut, and Kurt Vonnegut at the end of his life was saying, you know, as America's fucking bombing Iraq again, we we have lost count. You're right. Um, and uh, he's sort of saying, God damn it. And this is one of America's finest authors saying, I feel like I'd make more of a, I'm paraphrasing and, and doing a, a shit job of it, but I'd feel like I'd make more impact throwing a, a, a pie out my window than, than writing another book. And that kind of broke my heart when I read that statement that he felt that, that art after all of this, um, it, it, I think he was just grappling with that of 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 of, and I think you're you're still on the side of uh, I don't want to speak for you, but it's I I agree with that statement that you made that art matters the most in this. It still does, but right. I hear I hear his cynicism too in the back of my mind, thinking fuck. Well, you know? <laughs> it depends. I think what I uh, am saying art, the creation of art or the channeling mm-hmm. of art matters mm-hmm. more than ever, not because of what is quote unquote produced, but by the energy mm. that is conveyed through the channeling of it. And okay. even if your art isn't seen or heard by anyone else, the energy that you have used in tapping into the creative force wow, wow. and it is um something that we need because it, it it's i'm here I'm, I'm thinking back to like me reading the bhagavad gita you know you have shiva mm-hmm. you know you have the destroyers the, the people that are disassembling everything mm-hmm. and 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 destroying everything mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you have the people that are creating things so, creators yeah you know, what what yeah. what do you want to you know yeah. what there you go where where do you want to fall you know so it's mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. what energy do you want to uh bring into this world <sighs> so that's why you know it doesn't matter as difficult as it is for you know a, 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 a quote unquote professional artist like myself that has mm-hmm. done this as a quote unquote career mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. embrace the idea that you know what these things that have been important to me for maybe a lot of my early life mm-hmm. you know oh how many records did I sell how many gigs did I do how many mm-hmm. what did I get paid mm-hmm. ultimately it, that stuff is absolutely that's the meaningless stuff there wow. the most meaningful thing is um what energy am I bringing into the world? And that's why, to me, that's why art 
and that energy matters so much today because as you just said mm. this we're dealing with so much uh destruction yeah. on, on yeah. so many levels today yeah. 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 that you know i want to be a yeah. creator yeah. i want to focus on creativity <clears throat> and, and, and channel. yeah yeah i uh, know no, i love this i'm learning a lot um thank you for sharing the the wisdom on that on that front it, it gets to the core of it for me of of why we fell in love with the thing in our early years and are continuing to do it and grow with it as we age, you know, it's, and who, what, how, what, I've asked this a lot on the podcast. What kind of an artist do you want to be? What is the art that you want to be making as you go through this? And I see you, you've shape shifted a little bit, even in the three tunes that you've, you've shared with me um your musical voice seems to have it's followed you on this journey across you, you know you've done a lot of travel to get to where you are uh settled in new orleans today but i hear that in your music i hear the travel i hear the the journey that you've been on in just in those three tunes that you've shared you know you, you you've clearly done a lot you know yeah, well, I you know I've traveled a lot. I'll say that much, and I've tried to listen as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, mm-hmm. some of that listening comes through what what I'm what I'm actually what is coming through me. But you know, I I only think that I'm only at the very beginning of even Whoa. daring to say that I have a voice. Damn, as man! As crazy um, as that might sound. Fuck. Let's let's take a second and listen to Michael's. Libertango. Can you talk about this Libertango piece that uh, you shared with me? Is that the Piazzolla yes. interpretation? It is, right? This is the, 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 the Tango of Freedom, and uh, okay. it is Esther Piazzolla wrote this, and this is, I sent you three things that I'm currently yeah. working on, and this is with a couple oh. other uh, okay. f- phenomenal musicians and, f- and friends of mine. Dominic Farinacci who's a, a trumpeter, and Christian okay. Tambor who uh, plays mallets, vibes, and, and marimba. Oh. And uh, we kind of about uh, I don't know six to eight months ago we we did a uh, like a, a live uh, simulcast in Cleveland and we worked on some repertoire and this was one oh. of the things that we really felt uh, it's hit beautiful. a specific note uh, of what we were trying to, to to do so that's why I sent it. Here it comes Libertango.
Yeah, that uh, such a beautiful rendition. I um, I had to listen a few times to really take it all in, and and it's uh, I love what you did with it. I just I think it's um, it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 just very different. I wasn't ex- I wasn't expecting that to be honest with you. It's it's kind of. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's almost minimalist in a lot of ways. I don't know. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. very. Yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. we weren't expecting it either because all of us oh. have a a pretty intimate history with the song with and that playing piece. it yeah, more yeah. traditionally. Yeah. You know, okay. with the okay. and so when we were struggling, you know, we only had like a, a day of rehearsal to come up with arrangements that we were, you know, cool. going to cool. be happy with, and we didn't know what it was going to happen, and that kind of happened, and I really hmm. felt like. You know, we hit kind of almost like we were, I felt like we were looking into this existential void because we were right in the middle of the pandemic then and it was like a very strange time. And so I felt like we hit something and, and, and I really loved collaborating with those both of those other musicians uh we it's a truly a three-way collaboration coming up cool, with cool. that arrangement so 
How do you know those yeah. guys? How did you get to connect with them? Well, I have to say that uh, Dominic uh, is from Cleveland, mm-hmm. and um, I studied at Berkeley uh, with a musician that's profoundly affected uh, my life, and he's actually on one of the other tracks that I sent you, uh, and that's ah. the percuss- percussionist Jamie Haddad. And he's not, I mean, he's, he's known as a percussionist and a drummer, but I mean, he's really like a, a musical uh, a guru. I yeah, mean, he can, yeah. he connects so many people and is Neat. so loving Neat. and careful with his uh, with mm-hmm. his energy. Um, mm. And he connected me with Dominic because he's also from Cleveland. Um, so and that's Jamie's special. connected me with a lot of people. Yeah, Jamie. That's special. Jamie. I mean, do you do you do you are you as fascinated as I am by the interconnection of all of us weirdo musicians or not so weirdo but like i just how you get you spoke about energy and just coming across people and like i i feel that with you like you probably wouldn't have responded to that email if it didn't come from kevin bright or dave clark i can't remember who connected us in the first place but it was like there's a trust there i think there's a a love and a, and an understanding of each other, and I feel like I I have that. We, we have that, right? You just walk me through it. Like some this um, uh, Jamie sounds like an incredible. Uh, it just reminded me of Dave Clark. You could have right. you could have swapped out the names and like how yes. many how many of these people do you know? Are you are you as fascinated by that as I am? Because I I just feel like plumbers might not get that kind of interconnectedness <laughs> in their in their practice. You know what I mean? I've I've said right. that for a while right. now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wonder, you know, because, you know, music is about vibration. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I think that when you have that, the musical community, mm. and if you have people that are sensitive musicians that, you know, that really tune into vibration, mm. that they will introduce you to people and to worlds that they are familiar with that they think that you might vibrate in sympathy with and and, and to that end also perhaps (laughs) see yourself in in those people and and situations that they introduce you to because they've saw themselves in those and and they're also seeing themselves in you so they're like oh i see myself in you let me introduce you to somebody else who i see another aspect of myself in yeah yeah because i think that you will resonate and and learn something about yourself through the other person i'm 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 loving this uh (laughs) gentle listeners the 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 photo of michael preaching into this expensive microphone with the sun shining like he, he can't even see he needs sunglasses i'm just painting you a picture we're we've gone to church here and i i'm i i want to honestly i want to i want to ask you a serious question here though um because we're both clowns now that i know that you're a yes. fellow clown okay yeah. that, that yeah. resonated with me but in all seriousness as a clown in all seriousness to quote uh the, the great bobby Bittman. Um, are you, how spiritual a guy are you? I remember the last time we spoke, in fact, there was a lot of violence going on in your community and you were kind of going out and praying with locals from, from your, your, your neighborhood. And so I know you're, you're spiritual. I I guess I asked that a rhetorical question, but I see it now throughout this entire interview, this thread of the way that you talk about music, the way why we make music, all of it, like your your purpose, your essential being is all, I think, centered around 
music and there's a serious spirituality that that connects with that is that accurate in saying that absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. i mean and you know we're all on our road i'm still like i said i'm still the the comforting thing to me at my age is that at least i know i'm on the road you know, I don't know how deep I, I've I've quote like accomplished, which isn't quite the right word, but how yeah. how you know yeah. how deep I've made it into those goals and where I'm aiming my myself. Mm-hmm. But at least I'm on the road because there have been times where I I've, I've been <laughs> lost, you know, along you know, and, and yeah. take broken down on the side of the road or taking a tangent that's like you know okay. how did I wind up here and then making myself way back mm-hmm. but of course I'm I've been spiritual my whole life you know mm-hmm. and the there's no doubt that my spirituality is entwined with uh at its be- when I'm making music at, at its best okay. uh, it's entwined with that to a point where I feel like the best music making is where I disappear you know you 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 um hmm. You let the music flow through you, in, in in essence, similar to what we were talking about—the art, you know, yeah. coming through you yeah. and not you, you actually yeah. doing anything. Wow, um, I don't even know when we started this conversation, but I, I got to tell you, it's it's my favorite, um, man. Let's get into it. I can't. I can't wait any longer. I need to yeah. unpack this film. I'm just oh, jumping. Yeah. I'm jumping to it. Uh, like you know what? This is the classic. Uh, this is the way I roll. It's just like I want to eat that dessert, man. Fuck it. I'm jumping to it. I want to talk about the 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 saints and sinners of Jackson Square. Now, I watched this documentary. It's produced by you. Mm-hmm. You you made the thing. I didn't yes. realize that on for on uh, like when you first sent it to me. So that that was that's in, that's impressive unto itself. The the content and the form of it and um holy cow, the music uh threaded through it. Um it's so special to me. It it resonated on on in such a way and and just um the, you know, I was kind of like trying to understand the storyline which is introduced pretty early that I couldn't believe it that Ricky Ricky Paulin is that his name? Did I spell? Yes, pronounce? yes, yes. Um, would 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 die soon after? I guess that was yes. made. I mean that I I had to look that up. I just couldn't believe it hearing him play and just yeah. I mean uh, that really hit home. It, it was a uh, yeah. Just can you can you talk about that film and what it's meant for you? It, it seems like it's oh, heavy. It's the reason for yeah. the season. Yeah, it's it's so hard. I mean, I even to mm. know, I mean, I, you know, it's funny that you said Ricky's name, because I mean, I, yeah. I, I love, I, I, man, I, I don't know. In my, in the recent years, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a, someone that I've, I've, I've felt that heartbroken about losing him because okay. he was only okay. 60 years old that's and it's right. funny because right. last year i don't play out on the street with those guys as much as i used to yeah um but i do every so often and just like last week i was out mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. and uh i was with a bunch of the guys that are in the film and wow, wow. there's an older gentleman that lives in florida but is from thibodeau louisiana and yeah. Yeah. he had a clarinet and he started playing clarinet and i was mm-hmm. closing my eyes and yeah. i it's yeah. the first time that i heard a clarinet since ricky passed playing with him in that context yeah yeah so i got very upset i was crying i mean it was pretty like to to be like wow there's ricky i didn't even talk about it with any of the i meant to talk about it with mark that's the sousaphone player who i'm the closest with at this point i kind of have moved around all the guys being close with 
different guys, but Mark's kind of like I had a really deep friendship with him for the past three or four okay. years, and uh, he was also okay. very close with Ricky Paul, and he okay. grew up. Ricky Paul, and for those of you that don't know, I mean, mm-hmm. he's it was a New Orleans uh, clarinetist and, and vocalist musician, and mm-hmm. who grew up. His father was in New Orleans, uh, uh, was a famous uh, brass band leader. Doc Pollen right. played trumpet, and he the Smithsonian recorded him at least once. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a record, and he a lot of musicians went through his band. So all the like six brothers, Pollen brothers, brass band as they're now known, yeah. they all went, were in the band, and a lot of other uh, really well known New Orleans musicians went through that band. So okay, um, okay. That's where Ricky uh, came from. And I met him on the street. Ricky, out of all the brothers, uh, at least for my 10 years in New Orleans, played on the street by far the most. He was out okay. there every day playing wow. Wow. by wow. himself with, with whoever. You know, he, wow. Wow. He, so he was a real, he was the sound of, the, of New Orleans. He was part of the lifeblood of the music that is on the streets here. And that comes from a, a lineage of, of musicians who do that. Um. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, that the, came across right. It just yeah. It's hard to watch that film and not really feel the the lineage coming through him when he's playing. And it's like I think you said it best. It's like holy shit! Like he played that night. Like like maybe he knew more than we did in terms of just like I, like that. I yeah, it's an unbelievable right. no, performance. It's my, that was his last public performance. Lord, and, wow, wow. You know, I. Uh, I the crazy thing is you you you, did, you didn't even know he was sick that night like no he no just I bet played, not like yeah, it was just yeah, amazing yeah. And, and the last solo that he took was just so to me is just so oh. mind-blowing I wept when I made that record when I'm because yeah, I made yeah. the record first which is uh, the songs from okay. the movie yeah and yeah. when I was mixing that record Man. and really getting deep into it I yeah. cried so many yeah. times yeah because but it, just, it, you know you are a special like I, I look at your role in all of that pulling that together um magn- amplifying what what was going on there for for others to see and and really take in and, and 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 even recording that last performance of his like it just feels like i don't know man it just all feels really important to me and um and the fact that you're still kind of connected with with that musical family um uh, holy shit. That's, a, that's a lifelong yeah. Uh, Journey, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. these yeah. guys will stay with me till the, my dying day and beyond there you go. that. There um, you, go. you know, and and you know, I I love it, that. By the way, let's just take let's just relish in that in that in that moment that statement. What a like you look for a team player. You look for that kind of commitment. That's I mean, just the fact that you're able to say that with that kind of certainty to me says it all you know like you really are home if that means anything or i don't know you found your 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 community right yeah exactly that i found my people you know and you know it's like this guy um Hmm. Malik Rahim, he started uh, this organization called Common Ground down here, particularly around Katrina. Yeah. And he was interviewed once and they were like, you know, he he was taught about how heartbroken he was about the failures of of the institutions that were supposed to like be there for people. Right. And and then he contrasted that with what New Orleans is. And he he finished and he said, Hmm. you know, you don't live in New Orleans. New Orleans lives in you. Hmm. And it's the truth. 
So yeah. all those guys, those guys are New Orleans to me, and they yeah, live yeah, yeah. as much as they live outside of me. They yeah, live yeah. in me. Yeah, yeah, all of them. Where, you know, when you so. when you were first playing, like even before you lived in New Orleans and you, you stopped through, did you did you meet those guys in Jackson Square? Like, where, listen, it's an it, 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 it's it's mythical. Almost because yeah, yeah. I it came like to it. New Orleans, yeah. and the fir- yeah. uh, the first night I was playing, and you know I was trying to do this thing where I was going to be taken seriously, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. doing a gig every day. And when I got yeah. to New Orleans and tried to find a gig, you know, they were like, "There's like millions of musicians here. You're not going to find a gig." But I realized that playing on the street is a gig in of itself in New Orleans, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so I started playing on the street. And the first night I was here, and I actually have it on film because my wife, we weren't oh, at the time, but she was with me, and she was filming a little bit. And Malcolm, who's wow. a bass drummer in the film, yep. came yep. up on his bicycle with the bass drum on his thing and heard me playing and just stopped and played with me for like 15 seconds. And he said, wow. I forget what he said. He said something like, wow. you're heavy, man. He goes, but I got to go. And wow. then he split. Wow, 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 and wow. Then, wow. wow. And then, um, you know, then he would show up like because I stayed in New Orleans about a week to okay. ten days, okay. and just about every place I played at night, Malcolm would always show up, just wow. unannounced, and then we we got, started playing together, and it led wow. to this point, which I kind of describe in the film, but uh, maybe I can describe it a little bit more detailed here, and that and that what happened was we were playing on a corner on Frenchman Street, which mm-hmm. is now a very popular. Um, music club street back then it wasn't as uh it was on its way up but it was still kind of off the beaten path a little bit and uh we were playing just me malcolm and a a fiddle player Mm -hmm. and you know people coming by we had a box and they put money in and then after about an hour this trumpet player showed up but i didn't know and Mm -hmm. he started playing and I, it's when it, the reality transitioned to like a dream state because he started playing and it was like everything that I think I ever imagined New Orleans could be and, and so much more. So within minutes, there were, you know, 100 to 200 people around wow. us. Wow. Like wow. Out of thin air, he conjured these people. And he's playing. I don't know what he's playing. I'm following by some miracle. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we played the tune. And, I mean, he stunk of alcohol and cigarettes. but And he talked like... Yeah. And, and so we finished the, our whole set. Uh-huh. And there's a huge box of money. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> I went up to... As he's counting the money, I go, hey, man. Because, you know, like, like I knew what I was doing. I said, hey, man, you know, if you didn't show up, yeah, we wouldn't yeah. have even had anywhere close to this amount of money. So yeah, 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 why, yeah, yeah. So why don't you take, you know, take half and we'll just split the rest or whatever you think. And he just uh-huh. looked at me. He looked at me like I was nuts. And he said, hmm. we don't do that here. Yeah. Wow. So uh-huh. it took me a second to wrap my mind around that because I come from a completely different place where the headliner makes more money and this and that. So he kind of destroyed a little bit of a paradigm that I had. So then I nice, was nice, nice. thinking like, okay. And so I saw that he was selling CDs as we were playing, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, mm-hmm. all right, I love this guy's music making. Mm-hmm. And, of mm-hmm. course, I want to buy a, a CD. So at least yeah. I'll be yeah. able to give him Great. 10 or 20 bucks, whatever. Great. So I Great. go up Great. to him and I said, hey, man, if you're not going to do that, 
at least <laughs> yeah. let me buy one of your CDs. And yeah. then he turned around and looked at me like I was even crazier than I oh, was wow. before. Oh, wow. And he said to me, I'm not on these. Now, let me tell you, this is the only time this has happened in my life. Yeah. I actually did not understand what he meant. And my brain was firing and it like made some kind of connections that like it had to find another way to make sense of what he was saying uh-huh. and then i finally did and what it did was at that point like a seat what you what do you mean you're not on these the cd is the most important thing that you can have as an artist you know you have to have a cd i mean this is your life's yeah. work right. and you're fuck, you're selling this thing and you're not on None of it made sense. So he destroyed a serious paradigm there because wow. it's like, wow. it's not even about any of that, you yeah. know, and yeah. granted he, they don't, it's funny, all those guys, cause I tried in the film to really get to a deeper place with them and they get to a deep place, but they also yeah. don't yeah. talk deeply about like, there's one moment in the film where I was asking another trumpet player, Dwayne Burns, who's also a fantastic trumpet player. Mm-hmm. And, um, I said, you know, I go to him. Some of the experiences I've had on the street have been the deepest musical making experience of my life. For instance, there's something I didn't share in the film, but here's one of them. So we were playing one time with Ricky Mm -hmm. and uh, we're over by the by the French market, which is close to the river Mm -hmm. and people going by, you know, and, and those guys don't stop for nothing. You know, like okay, they, they, it's okay. like a train. You're doing your 45 minute set. I mean, they could. There was a, a, a horse and carriage that went out of control one time. We kept playing through the whole thing. <laughs> they, it, nothing stops the group. Love it. Oh, so anyway, uh, we as we were playing, we saw there were like two teenage girls and an mm. older man that were watching us play, and they were holding a box. Okay. And they were kind of. They looked kind of upset and. Mm. The the old guy went over to Ricky and whispered in his ear, and Ricky put his hand up and stopped the band. So I was like, all right, I know something's up. He just stopped everything. He said, we, we're going to play just the close to walk with thee, which is a, a African-American hymn that's mm-hmm. very important in New Orleans. It's always played at the funerals. Mm-hmm. And we played that, and the kids wept. And, uh, whoa, the, whoa, whoa. and, the, and the guy, it was, it was the mother ashes oh, oh, oh. in the box, and they were going to oh. put her in the Mississippi River. Oh yeah! So wow, we wow. Played okay. so in the movie when I asked Dwayne, I'm like, you know, some of the, and that was one of the things I was thinking of when I told him. I said, yeah, yeah. you know, what kind of? I, I'm like, has there ever been an experience that you've had on the street? And he got this twinkle in his eye, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he just said, yeah, oh yeah. But he wouldn't say what he. None yeah. of them will talk about. Interesting. Which I find really fascinating because yep, it's like yep, yep. I wanted to get to some of that. I wanted to hear them say, "Yeah," because well, yep. they all they 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 all they all act like it's a hustle and that you know they're only out there for the money and this and that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Mark is the closest one because Mark gets deep, you know, in his little yeah. interview in the yeah. in the film. He yeah. kind of touches on some of the stuff I was hoping yeah. to hit, but yeah. they never get into the specifics. They'll never yeah. tell you a story like that. I I, I, I like it. It feels like. Um, they kind of keep that close Private. to right yeah, yeah. like it's it's yeah. i find it makes it even more mysterious and hard Absolutely. to hard to get and of course you're tapping into it because you're 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 in the family like you're you're it really felt like that like it was, and it, and it was nice to see like when was that filmed was that is that how, how long ago was that that was filmed oh lord when was it filmed i want to say 2018 yeah okay 
okay. in March of 2018, I believe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, no, it's it's really charming. Can people um, check it out on YouTube now, or is it still a private link? <laughs> no, no, it's okay. a private okay. link. I mean, it did a year on the film festival circuit. Yeah, I thought so. It got played okay. at a bunch okay. of places. Okay. And, you know, at the current time, I'm trying to discern what the way forward is, you know, okay. where okay. where okay. a home can be for it. In- industry and tactics. Sh- industry tactics. He's thinking about how to put it into the world. I feel even more honored to have seen it. Um Look out for it. Somehow, somewhere, you will you will catch the saints and sinners of Jackson Square. What what a you charming piece of work! You can buy the CD. You can buy the CD, and it's on Spotify. So if you want a taste of what the okay. film is, because the okay. film kind of is a, a mix of like a documentary of each of the guys interspersed yeah. with yeah. a concert uh, yeah. a concert footage. From I a loved live, I live loved that form that when I got into what the form was, and I knew what I was I was in for. It was like, oh, we're going to go through every band member here. This is cool. Right. This is really right. cool. Um, well, yeah, look, find it on Spotify as well. The Saints and Sinners of Jackson Square. Congratulations on it. I just think it's like it's really. Uh, it feels like a really important work, and um, you know, I just I, I was really inspired by it, and I, it just also makes me realize, like, man, New Orleans, like to stumble upon that kind of um, musicianship, and then turn a corner. And you might find Quintron making some of the finest fucking, you know, I mean. It's I a mean, crazy place, man. It's that you never get yeah, to the bottom yeah. of New Orleans, man. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. crazy. It's you crazy. Know, I, 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 I like that. I like that. I was really, you know, um, moved by that, by the many sides of it. Not just the, the uh, what you would expect. You, you know, it has... It has the other, but I mean, it's so it's it's a fascinating place. It doesn't it feels otherworldly. Do you now to live in a place that feels so otherworldly? How, how does that feel for you? You got to check yourself every now and again. Like, what's it like? Uh, you know, I've embraced it more or less. What what I what I have what I have thought a lot about. You kind of touched on it for a second. Mm. Is you know the question of of whether you know all these great cultures that we have on earth that we really uh you know cherish and celebrate mm-hmm. yeah. whether they whether the way that they come about is through suffering and pain because there's always this other side and there is yeah, another yeah. side of new orleans and yeah. it's very very dark and very violent and um so there's that question it's like is the joy that you hear in new orleans music a counterbalance to what is the relationship between what you're seeing and experiencing here that resonates and fills the heart with joy to the thing that is darkness destruct it's what we actually were talking about before you know which side of the you know you got the destroyers and the creators yeah (laughs) yeah man yeah it's like yeah yeah you know yeah, and the trauma, the trauma that's there, right? It's just like it's... Oh, there's yeah, a lot. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. But you know what? I Something I just caught myself with. I don't want to imply that there's any kind of judgment no matter what side you're on. Because everybody has their path. And I feel like everyone deserves empathy and compassion thank no you. matter what they're doing. Yeah. And even if it's something – and I, thank God I haven't been tested where someone in my family has been 
hurt by some kind of violent action, and okay. maybe I would okay. talk, tell you something different if that had right. happened. Right, right, but right, I'd right, like right. to believe right, 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 that right, right. I, I wouldn't. That's that heavy. I would, that I would deal. That I would. It would be yep. very difficult to deal yep. with. Yeah. But that I would try to That's have it. empathy and compassion for the person Man. who might have inflicted some of that. So you, that's the place beautiful. I try to operate from. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Let's um let's 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 take a minute to breathe and just ponder that. I really want to um it's easier said than done, man. Right, right. Like the darkness p- pokes through in all of us and but to lead from a place of compassion and empathy is is really that resonates with me and I, I really appreciate where you are at with that um and let's hope you you are never challenged in that way I, I i agree but um it is it is the mindset right of of um of of trying to see it from all angles and and really be in everyone else's shoes it's hard it's hard right like it's yeah Really Especially hard. in New Orleans, really? because there's, yeah. Yeah. you know, when I came here and started learning about some of the musicians and the lives that they've lived, not to yeah. mention like my neighbors yeah. and other yeah. people, yeah. it made everything that I experienced seem like I was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Like the things that I had been upset about and felt like that I had felt experienced loss or not to diminish where I was because I, w- I yes, had yes. the information that I had available to me at the time that those things happened to me was limited. So I had, yeah, 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 but, yeah. but certainly seeing it in context to yeah. see how much yeah. other people suffered right, and beyond what I could even imagine mm-hmm. really put me in a very different place. Yeah. Uh, today yeah. where i was 15 years ago yeah unreal um you mentioned jamie haddad yes uh what my is brother, the piece that brother. he plays on is it c minor yes it is yes him and it's another unbelievable f- f- percussionist who i met through jamie and we both become I'm friends with Ciro, his name's Ciro baptista he's from brazil sure yeah, and uh, so I mean, Kevin, Kevin Bright. Kevin, is, exactly. That's how I met Kevin. It's through Zero because Kevin. Oh my God! Oh my God! So that's amazing. We, that's awesome. We were on the same tour. That's great that that brings that together. Yeah, uh, I it didn't does. even I didn't even realize that until I said. Oh, that's heavy. Name. That's heavy. So yeah, so Zero. I met Kevin through Zero, and you you through Kevin. So that's Zero is the link there. <laughs> Epi- episode Jay- episode twenty two. Kevin Bright, gentle listeners, go back and listen to that. That's a that's a doozy. So that so we're all kind of that's that's really impressive. That you're right. We're linked through Zero uh, Batista. So Zero Batista is on the C minor track as well. Yes, yeah, Ciro and Jamie. We had a day. We performed this uh, a Amazing. piece written by a friend of ours, Osvaldo Golihoff, who's a classical quote unquote contemporary classical composer okay and we had a lot of success with a piece of his that we perform with with uh, a cellist you know from yo-yo ma lisa weilerstein and other cellists and we had wow. uh, a gig in fort worth about two years ago and or three years ago now <laughs> i'm kind of losing track of time yeah now. yeah yeah but, yeah. Um, but uh, it was before everything shut down and, yeah. and we had a day off which is kind of unheard of because the hall was occupied so we played like wednesday and thursday had friday off and and then Saturday we had our last thing, mm-hmm. so I was like, "Man, these pe- these guys are so I'm so close to them." And yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like, "Man, I've got to go into the studio." So I cool. I've been working on a few simple um, left hand techniques, and I developed yeah, these simple yeah. songs out of them. Oh. And we went in the, and worked for for a whole day. And then when I came home, 
I I was I didn't do anything for two years, and this related to something that you and Homer Flynn were talking about. Yeah, uh, and that is the you know that everything kind of has its time, and that the arc of something could be a lot longer. I love than that. Like that, you think that you blows know? my mind? That blows my yeah. mind. That what what if it's a ten year, or what if right. you look at your entire career, and all of a sudden it's, it's, it's <laughs> it, it makes sense. There's a punchline that hits like right at the end of your life. <laughs> Honestly, man, I hope that's what Listen, I have. I hope we, that's I, it. Man. You know what? Listen, everybody gets that. I think I think yeah, they have to. Yeah, I mean, it might yeah. be after we've drawn our last yeah, breath and we're yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, but yeah. I but but my feeling is is when yeah. we cross to the other side, we are gonna laugh. We are gonna the first thing we're gonna do is have an eternal laugh. Fuck. Like just because the punchline, you know, you're gonna just see like oh, that's it. it all that's makes it. sense, and it's hysterical. The punchline anyway. for for yeah. one, right? The punchline for yeah. one, make it make it make it count. Uh, well, well, ruminate on all of that. This is uh, this is this is Michael alongside Jamie Haddad and Cyril Batista, C minor. It's called, eh? For now, yes. for for now, this is unreleased. Okay, all this, this stuff is unreleased. This is unreleased. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Here it comes. Yeah.
What a joy to to tap into like where you are right now as an artist, uh, Michael. It's it's really really cool. So so you wanted to to, to 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 go a little deeper with those those two guys, and we hear it on that on that recording. It's like is, is that part of it for you? Is the is, is like choosing your your limited time on this planet and who you're going to share uh, sh- share the music with. Um, that that sounds like those those are two really important relationships, Ciro and Jamie, eh? Yeah, they're certainly whether I my decisions uh, put me with them or whether it's just part of this bigger idea that we're expressing of okay, being okay. resonating and sympathy with people and that's yeah, nice. who, who your reality bounces off of. Mm. They are certainly too. I I mean I can't I can't even say how deeply my feelings about them and and the that they're wow. rhythm people wow. and what rhythm is and wow, you know wow. that i was lucky enough to get into a space with them and then what happened quickly just to give you a little sure, bit more concept sure. for two years i had that thing you know i spent the money on the studio i, yeah. I was important for me to do the thing and i mean i wanted to work on it i yeah. wanted to but every time i tried to do it, it was just like i just didn't feel right i'm like why am i going to force myself or try to work on something that it doesn't feel right to work on, even though I had all the momentum, like the money and the fact that I love them and all these things. And, and, and those are your compositions, right? Like, uh, like well, that's or, or something else that... that's interesting. Okay. okay, let me. I get to that in a minute. Sure. So, sure. so, um, we had another gig just like six months ago in Atlanta mm-hmm. with a friend of ours, Elisa Wilerstein, who we hadn't seen in years, a phenomenal cellist, mm-hmm. playing that piece, and we once wow. again mm-hmm. had a day off, which was very strange to me. And I'm like, man, maybe we should do something again because I'm, like, so lo- I'm like, I love how excited you get by a day off. You're like, let's fill yeah. it, let's fill it. <laughs> There's no fucking such thing as a day off with you, eh? Right, I- right exactly. So. Uh, but then I said to myself, wait a minute. I said, I already did the one thing. I'm going to, you know, my wife's going to kill me. I, I'm going to spend another two grand on a studio. And get, right, you know, right, to, right, right. You know, it's like, so I'm like, no, you know what? Let's just, I'll have a good time with yeah, them yeah. and enjoy yeah. their company and we'll just hang out. Okay. So there was a picture that was taken to remember the stage setup, and they, they put it on a big piece of cardboard and it was just the accordion on its seat. Cause I guess I wasn't in my chair at the time. And then it yeah. was of G- Jamie and Ciro cause they play very close to each other, surrounded by all their percussion stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw the picture. Ciro had it, and I guess he was looking at it. And I said, "Ciro, if you don't mind, I said I need to have that." And he said, "No, take it." So when I took it home, I put it on the wall. And the minute I put it on the wall, I opened up the stuff that we had done two years. Oh, interesting! And I was like, "The time is now." It was inspiration. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Got I it. dove, I dove into it hardcore. Now, as far as oh. the compositions, hmm. the the idea of going into the studio and the simple exercises that I yeah, or yeah. technique that I was drawing off of yeah. was something that came through me. Okay. However, where those pieces winded wound up. Yeah. 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 We are all equal creators. There you go. Of there you what go. You are here. I love it. I, I, I assume so. so. I, I wanted to tease that yeah. idea, but I and I'm I'm interested in that. I mean, like I think it's just like such a beautiful thing to to have those relationships with musicians that you know and trust, and then and then split it down the middle like equal way. Actually, kind of a la how you split the box in New Orleans. I guess you, I guess yeah, you took exactly. that. Yes, exactly. You took that learning, eh? That's good. Well, That's good. look, man. Look, look. Yeah, and this is why New Orleans is so. Transcends, you know. Any, yeah. Because yeah. Look, look. I was 
yeah. someone who did not look like the people I was playing with. Sure. I did not come from where they came from by any stretch of the other than being born on Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have that in I, common. I came from suburban Long Island. I didn't even know the song that he was playing. Right, right, I didn't right. know the repertoire. My right. instrument, even though right. it's affiliated, associated with yes. Louisiana, yeah, has yeah. nothing to do with the brass band and traditional jazz uh, uh, thing in New Orleans. And yet, even though it was my first night or close to my first night being immersed as mm-hmm. really an apprentice. Mm-hmm. There you go. Good word. They yeah. insisted they insisted to the they, point of almost knew. fighting with me to split their money. Yeah. <laughs> How charming, man. That that says it all to me. It's just like, yeah, man, that's that's important, right? Like, it's just, it's, they're bringing you in, right? It, fe- it feels like an, an initiation. It feels like, uh, oh, man, that must have felt so good on your end. Well, it felt incredibly confusing and incredibly humbling, which is why that I had yeah, to commit to yeah. doing the movie. Yeah, yeah, wow, wow, it's, wow. It's more than bringing me in. It, uh, bringing me in would have been, okay, yeah, you're welcome to play with us. And, you wow. know, when you learn all the stuff and if we've sh- you've shown that you've put your time in, uh, we will cut you in on our tips, which we used to pay our rent. We right. don't have a. We don't have right. other gigs that we right. go and right. Right. play with your ma or do whatever. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. not some yeah. guy that's you know driving around the country yeah. in a van. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, it's like this is our reality here. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. man, yeah, it's heavy. It's special. I mean, so oh boy, where do we go from here? So you touched on. Um, Yo Yo Ma, let's let's uh, let, let's let's spend a minute there and just talk about how did you, how did those connections come to be? Was that early in your career? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I, um, it's kind of related to the Tariff de Hadoukes, which we mentioned early on. I think uh, the Roma uh, yeah. friends of mine, and yeah. um, I wound up really through knowing them. I I was open to going to meet with. The friend that I just mentioned is Valdo Golihov, who's a, a classical composer, mm-hmm. and um, he was looking for somebody to help him with his computer setup. And like I, this was when I was still at Berkeley. I had done like a very uh, kind of contemporary classical piece that uh, okay. one okay. of the synthesis chairs had seen as my final project. So he thought that I would be good for this project because I understood the technical computer side of recording and all that. But yeah, I also yeah, yeah. had an yeah. understanding of that. So. But I didn't want to do it at first because I had a lot of friends that were technical majors and were frustrated musicians behind a mixing board, you know, working in the studio, yet they really wanted to be. So I was very wary of that. But then when I talked to the guy, it turned out that he just got back from Romania and had Mm, done something mm. with the Tariff de Hadoukes and the Kronos Quartet. So I was like, okay, okay, I got to at least go down and meet him. Yeah. So... We met, and sure enough, through you know, through co- working with him in the one capacity, eventually he learned about my accordion playing and started to write wow. me into some of the stuff that he was doing. Wow! And wow. his star was kind of on the rise then. He became very well known, and when <laughs> Yo Yo and the Boston Symphony Orchestra commissioned him to write a piece, he decided to uh, write me into it, and as well as Jamie. 
And then oh, eventually, what, when the premiere happened at Tanglewood, uh, he decided that he wanted another percussionist, and that's when he invited Ciro. Oh, <laughs> so then wow, came, wow, you know, wow, Ciro, okay. Jamie, and me as okay. kind of this uh, little group Holy in, in the middle of the orchestra with the, with the, the soloist, you know, cellist uh, playing the solo part. Okay. So okay. we met Yo-Yo through that. He premiered the piece, I think it was in 2006 or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something like that. And then a few other cellists, Elisa Wallerstein came, and there was a rewrite. She was really important, and we toured with her. Wow, it wow. Really, the, the piece itself had a really incredible journey all over the world, really. We played with most of the major orchestras, if not all of them, wow, in the United States. Wow. And then we played all over Europe and uh, in Hong Kong and... Unreal, and, um, eh? To, to bring a piece to life like that and see it, uh, like it, it, to see it ha- take on a life of its own. It sounds like it sounds. Oh, like it was it, amazing, wow. and it wound up. We wound up, and it wasn't an accident because people really responded to the piece, and mm-hmm. it wound up the, the the kind of the high point of that. Although yeah. it's still performed today, we do it, but we performed with the New York Philharmonic uh, on, on live from Lincoln Center, which is a PBS show. It was on New Year's Eve. It was like oh, a, fantastic. A real, Fantastic. Big, uh, hey, what's the event. name of the piece? What's the name of the piece? Azul. Azul, which is blue in Spanish. The name okay, of the piece lo- is Azul. So if if, if, if people look up Azul... Um, Goli Hub. Okay. G, it's not the Silk Road. It's this not is Silk not Road Silk yet. Road. It's, no, okay. it's a yo-yo. It's yo-yo, okay. yeah. Of course, in my career, the Silk Road... Then came, you go to Silk Road after, a it, few years later, right? Okay. Or, okay. or in the same time, you know, I, okay, okay, yo-yo, okay. We, I met Yo-Yo, and then yeah, we yeah. hit it off, and then he invited great, me to great. do some stuff with the Silk Road Ensemble. Amazing, amazing. And yeah. you've, you've composed a piece, or more than one piece, for the Silk Road Ensemble. Is that right? They, they commissioned me to write a piece, uh, which was an amazing experience with all wow, those musicians wow. are amazing and and um i i learned so much because they put me together with a percussionist from korea uh who uh, performed the accompanied the shamans oh my and god wow i was that was the same year they commissioned me as when i was driving around playing a gig every day it was a crazy year so that, and, that when you were doing gig 365 you were composing it at the same kind of at the same time Yes, that is yes. a that is a what a, what a year was, that was for you. It was it, you know it was the year to end all year. I mean, it was a very special year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I wound up visiting because for that for some reason that year I I visited a bunch of uh, native reservations yeah. in, in the United States, and I also wound up visiting a lot of African American communities. The native thing I visited. Uh, I was reading a book called Shamanism by oh, uh, oh. Eliades. I never get his name right, but uh, it's a fascinating book about the history of shamanism in the whole world. He was cool, a scholar cool. on it, and wow, uh, he wow. mentioned the Achumawi uh, Indians in, mm-hmm. in the book. And I managed to, because my travels took me out to Northern California, I went to that area and I managed wow. to get in contact with the medicine man for that tribe mm-hmm. who who gifted me with some of his music and i wound up writing into in to that you know because i was interested in how the cool, asian cool. um music and people connect to the native uh indigenous people in north and south america yeah you know, so that, uh, wow that's man that's wow 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 um that's amazing that's amazing and 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 you're still so it sounds like that whole 
group, uh, you're still in touch with them and, and making music in different configurations, including Yo-Yo well, Ma? no, I, you know, every now and again, we'll do a Zool with Yo-Yo, but okay. I kind of, I guess, I, from being in New Orleans and just yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the way that I evolved and resonate... And, and and I'm resonating today. Mm-hmm. I'm still interested in all the things that they hold dear to their music making, which is like you have to love Yo-Yo because, I mean, he could have just been uh, sure. what he was, which was an amazing classical Chelsea. Yep. He could have done that yep. the rest of the life. Instead, yep. he put himself in yep. a place that was uncomfortable for classical improvising. I, and I admire it. I admire it's it. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So big. I love that spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh I have gone kind of off their map, you know, because I mean, look, I'm out on the street playing with New Orleans yeah. musicians. Yes, they you are. They haven't quite gone that far. So, I mean, I went in a little <laughs> bit of a different direction. Hey, so, it's I mean, not too late. It's not too late. Yeah. They'll, they'll catch up to you. They'll catch up to you. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. going to be amazing when that happens. Yeah, oh, I, well, I always look out for them. You know, oh Yo-Yo did God. say he was like, I mean, he would he would love to do that kind of thing. I'm sure. I'm by bad. Figure out they yeah. would have to figure out how to keep him his identity hidden. You know, that's the yeah. his issue. Yeah. You know, because he's so well well yeah. known that it's yeah. it's hard yeah. for him to uh, yeah engage with something. I like, like that. the way. I mean, I've just you know the few encounters I've had with him, and just obviously following what he's been up to. I just like the way. He always places um, music in important. Uh, well, what am I trying to say? Just he gets the social I- interaction. He gets that music isn't only meant for the concert hall. He, he's I, I, oh, I, I yes right like it's, totally. it's 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 part of who he is, and I, I love that. Absolutely. I, I think that's yeah. really yep. important. You know, absolutely. Um, Hey man, let me do one question from your youth. So your parents were tell me talk let's talk a little bit about your folks. Like they were cool with you joining the circus? Well, <laughs> they took me to see Ringling and Brothers when I was a little kid at Madison Square Garden. So I mean, they, that kind of planted yeah. the seed and my grandmother, my mother's okay. mother, mm-hmm. sewed my clown costumes. She made me two. Fuck me. And, um, you know, so I mean, they, but they were very kind of. Uh, I can't think of a better word. They weren't normal at all. But they, they, <laughs> it, it, as far as what how they appeared, they were very normal. You know, my dad worked yeah. nine to five and yeah, had yeah, a part time yeah. job. Okay. My mom was a waitress. You know, okay. but okay. they, but they did those things because they loved me and my brother a lot. Yeah, nice, and, nice. And they supported all the crazy things that we wanted to do. O- older, most, brother, o- older brother, older brother, five, okay, five okay. years younger. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so. So, you know, they they managed to get us a piano. I mean, we weren't we were they worked hard and we weren't sure. wealthy, but we weren't sure. poor either. But it's for okay. me to get like a, a beat up Berlitzer piano was a big deal. Yeah, like that wow. was a it was a big deal for them to wow. be able to afford it. Wow. And it was a big deal that I had it. So, wow. you know, wow. they really supported us. And um, that's cool, man. That's you know, cool. I certainly have them to thank for being able to practice music so much as a kid growing up and, you know, not have to worry about any really too much of anything uh they weren't really artistic at all as far as music okay my dad loved music my mom wasn't really 
listen, didn't really listen to anything in, in particular. My dad loved music, like mm. particularly like R and B, as I said. You know, he took me to see Ray Charles and mm-hmm. really loved all that. Music oh wow! And had a ton of records. He I had took all you to, these... He took you to see Ray Charles. You saw Ray yeah. Charles? Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Wow. When I was like uh, in my wow. mid-teens, wow. we went to Eisenhower Park in Long Island. Ray Charles was Neat. playing. It was oh, great. Man. It was amazing. Oh. Um, and your grandma so, yeah. sewed your, your clown suit. How into clowning were you? You had a clown suit. I was pretty deep into it. Listen, I, you know, because I went to Ringling Brothers as like a three or four year old. And I think yeah. that stayed with me seeing the clowns. And then I started to collect uh, clowns, like the figurines, the, the the ceramic figurines I had. Have like, you ever the- fucked with clowns and accordion work? Like, have you ever done any of like, combine the two? Well, sure. In my teaching, as I mentioned before, of the uh, the elementary school kids, when I was teaching circus arts, oh, yeah. okay. I led okay. them around with the accordion. Ah, um, okay. I'm really, okay. you know, my accordion playing as a result is really an extension of the clowning. Uh, wow. E- even though, you know, it could be mistaken that, you know, like, I'm serious. But I, but I think, you know, the, the accordion is such a physical instrument. Yeah, man. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, some, so a I, composer once told me, he said, never trust an accordionist, never trust someone whose um, instrument changes shape. <laughs> I love but, uh, but, uh, that's and, and, and to oh, an extent, use that. yeah, no, that's to an great. extent, he was right, but you break that mold. You break that mold. You, you, you're, you're the one. You're the one. Uh, I love it. I love it. Man, I just that's it's really beautiful that that's that's part of your youth, you know, like we we talk about obviously we all envy the youth and the education that we didn't have. Right. Um, Right, I think that's just inevitable. That's what you were touching on. But this this clown uh, tinge of clowning, I didn't know you had it in you. I find that really, really fascinating to me that 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 that's there in your early years, you know. Well, look, how could I not, you know, like, just think about the bird whistle contraption, you know, that yeah, we yeah. shared so many laughs. I mean, that's totally <laughs> out of clowning. And what I imagine, because I've had, like, basically three different clown characters at this point in my oh life. Oh, my God. You know, I've had, I had the kind of traditional kind of hobo clown, yep, that, yep. which is what I was doing when um, I was teaching the kids. Then I had, like, an elegant clown yeah, and then again, my my grandmother sewed both of these costumes, and um, she uh, so that was more a little bit later when I was kind of doing clowning in hospitals and things. I would okay, go okay, play and do different things. Yeah, yeah, and then when I was living in London, you know, five to eight years later, mm. um, I had a clown that. I don't even know how to describe we, uh, with a partner. We were called the fraudulent gurus. Oh my and God. It do, based, do you tell? It was, it was based on the eponymities <laughs> paradox, which is all Cretans are liars. And a Cretan <laughs> was saying that. So it's like that logic question. Like if everything okay. I say is a lie, if everything I say is a lie, yeah. is that statement true or yeah, false? Yeah. yeah wow, so we had wow. the fraudulent gurus. We really wow. played with that idea. And Amazing. we did a few, few very clown, you know, re- clown related things related to that. We made up these rituals yeah. that were kind of crazy and, yeah. you know, um, so cool. that, cool. and that, that character is kind of done. And I guess, you know, I don't really have a character now, but if I had to take a guess and I've been mm-hmm. wrong so many times about the trajectory of my life, mm-hmm. if I had mm-hmm. to take a guess, I would say that my next clown character, and it may be still a decade off is going to involve that bird whistle contraption. Holy that's fuck. My, that's my next clown character. 
Holy I don't know what fuck. he's going to do, but that's that's what it's going to be. <laughs> uh, brace yourselves, uh, friends, listeners, gentle listeners. He's talking about this weird contraption. We we bonded over many things, but one of them being mechanical music. And uh, Michael, when I was in New Orleans, uh, uh, introduced me to, to the work of Trimpin, who has since blown my <laughs> mind. Look him up. But I mean, this is this is big. This is not. You know, the thing about it is like. We're talking so seriously and passionately about humor at the core of it, and that that's that's really beautiful to me. You know, it's um, but this this thing that you built is essentially you standing on two bellows that leak mm-hmm. up to um, essentially a, a reed instrument, if I remember it correctly, right? Like they, there's tubing that that you're you're walking on the bellows, little. Little bellow feet, or for lack of better yes. terminology, yes, right. It's a it's a yeah, pump exactly. organ. It's a walking pump organ, right? In a way, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a very good. I would say that's that's actually pretty accurate. The only thing is that it's it's not the. So you have the bellows, which are full size accordion bellows, which are mm. on the floor attached mm. to my feet, and I pull up my legs <laughs> and open and close both of those to get the air, which goes up through two tubes. But mm-hmm. what it connects to is an. A, a box that directs the air to specific outputs, depending on which button you press. Okay. So there's no reads or anything in the box. All oh. the actual box does is direct the air to the outputs. And at the moment, the prototype okay. has 12 outputs. Okay. So I can direct the air to 12 different locations. Unbelievable. Uh, or, or, or all 12 of them at the same time, if I, if I had 12 fingers. I am um, so inspired by this. Whether it takes you 10 years, whatever it takes you, I think the fact that now that you're linking it to clown work has really just made my day. I mean, I, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, 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 we'll talk later. Uh, I'm just very, very inspired by, you know, I, it's, I, I love asking people what they're up to, where they see themselves going. I didn't think you'd have that in your future, but I'm really stoked about how you want to foster that. That's really cool that you have made time through your career, it sounds like, all these years in clowning. That's really, I didn't think, I'm glad to, what I'm learning about you here today in this in this interview is like blowing my mind. Like, didn't know that was a part of your fabric, you know? Like, it's a, um, deep, it's a deep part. It's very deeply connected for sure, even though it comes and goes. Are you kind of self-taught or did you? Uh, yeah, totally self-taught. I mean, I didn't, yeah, I, I had wow, no, wow. you know, I taught myself to juggle. I taught myself. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, did, I did ride a unicycle at, at, when okay. I was teaching the kids. Okay. I don't. Okay. I haven't done that in years. Okay. Wow. Um, wow, wow, wow. You know, I did, I was very into yoga, so I, I could do a bunch of acrobatics and walk on my hands and do those types of things. Oh, my God. Um, wow. You know, so, I mean, all those things now as I'm getting yeah. older, it's a different yeah. It's yeah, 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 world. yeah, yeah. The, but, maybe um, the new, maybe the new clown doesn't do that. Then, then, the next ten years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but it's certainly a deep part of me because it's connected to my very early childhood, seeing the Ringling yeah. Brothers, yeah. and then also connected to pivotal points in my life, particularly the ministry work that I did in the in the hospitals. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. performing for patients yeah. and. Um, 
you know, even even the fraudulent gurus thing was a yeah. really specific time. You're touching life. on too, like the work that you did in hospitals and for for um, old age homes and stuff like that. Like that really is steeped in a community music model, which gets us back to the Sistema thing. Like it's. Is that, and I know that you also did some, you've continued to do some philanthropic work in New Orleans with that um, organization that you helped start. So can you talk a little bit about um, community music in your work and the way that you uh, make time for that? You've made, I'm learning you've made time for that throughout your life, it sounds like. Sure. I mean, New Orleans is kind of really the uh, high point in it because the music that these guys make on the street it's the ultimate community music because mm-hmm. it is the community they're in the community it's yeah. in the yeah. street every single day and they don't discriminate you know Damn. anybody walking down the sidewalk is going to be hit by this stuff and they don't <laughs> uh, say oh we're not going to give him the full medicine everybody yeah, yeah, gets yeah. the same mm-hmm. dose and what they do with it and how they respond to it is their business mm-hmm. so i mean it's such a community thing. Um, you know, before New Orleans, I had to kind of search out places where I could maybe mimic that, even though I didn't know about New Orleans. You know, it was yeah, like, yeah. where can I find people that I might be able to give myself completely to and also really feel like I'm uh, contributing to a community of people? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, obviously uh, for me, because of my mother at a young age bringing me around to perform yeah, yeah. music for seniors, yeah. I found those places to be very receptive, and they 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 were always very grateful and really absorbed the music. And I was so lucky to learn the music that was important to them, which is you know, for very you know very early uh, jazz yeah. music. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the repertoire was fascinating to learn about and also the function of music because i had experiences where you would see people you know like the movie awakenings with robert de niro Mm. those are real things you know where people who hadn't spoken and you would stumble upon us take out a song that you didn't even really know and play it and all of a sudden the guy who couldn't walk or talk was standing out of his wheelchair singing a song and the whole place is like looking going he doesn't talk Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, enough yeah. to make you go. I'll never forget this. This Holy is something shit. that that relates to that. That was really deep. I, I the place where I did clowning, St. Charles Rehabilitation Center, Port Jefferson, mm-hmm. uh, Long Island. Mm-hmm. I met some people would come in there and get their initial kind of therapy. And then when they were well enough, a lot of them would be transferred to nursing homes because they couldn't go home. Oh, yeah. They were still, okay. you know, not able to function independently. Yeah. yeah. So I met a guy who uh, was uh, Frank Izzo, who his he had an attorney, and his attorney told me that he was friends with uh, George Gershwin. Oh my God! And um, and <laughs> and he had played piano, and um, he had had a severe stroke. Okay. And so okay. I was playing a lot of music for him. I knew some Gershwin. I played music for yep, him, and yep, he was yep. always there, and he couldn't talk or do anything. So then he got transferred to a nursing home, and I didn't see him. And his attorney called me about a month or two later and said, listen, I'd love you to come to the nursing home and play for Frank. Wow, wow, wow. So I got there early and started playing as they were wheeling people into the room. Mm -hmm. And when they wheeled Frank in and put the brakes on the wheelchair and the nurses went to get people, 
as I was playing, he mm. stood up out of his chair and walked to the piano, and he collapsed when he got to the piano. He grabbed onto the piano, and the nurses, as they were bringing the other oh, wheelchair, wow. they're like, "Frank doesn't walk." Oh my god! You know, so and I <laughs> talk about like I couldn't stop playing because there's like forty yeah. other residents in there, yeah. so it was a, yeah. the whole yeah. thing was very emotional. But Holy you see, shit. that's the power of music. Like yeah. people, yeah. this touches deep places with people. And so, I mean, and the idea of giving back too, I think that's like threaded through, through no matter what level you're at, whether it's you or Yo Yo Ma. Or, or anyone, no matter what level you're at, giving back as part of giving back to community. It feels like that's an important uh, lesson I've learned over the over the years. It's just it, it has to be. It has to be part of the sharing, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, if I really have to look at it, you know, just like anything, nothing. I don't think anything is clear cut. It's like, yeah, yes, I think I was, you know, my mom instilled those values in me for sure. But I think also mm -hmm. as a musician, there, there was something in me that knew how grateful they were. And that made me feel good nice. because I knew they were really listening and having a deep experience. So that's selfish on my part. I mean, not a kind of grotesque selfishness but <laughs> it's like uh, it's like well i'm feeling good because they're actually yeah. listening to what i'm playing yeah. and they're having a deep experience so deep yeah. that they're walking and talking when the medical profession has said that they can't walk and talk not that Fuck. i was i was Unreal. just a mere uh vessel for the music coming through me i didn't make that happen but to be yeah, 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 yeah. A, per a periphery player in yeah. that dynamic was mind-blowing other, otherwise, I'd say, man, we should get some uh, Ernest Angley kind of like uh, fa faith healing shit going on. I come down there, we make a mint. The the uh, <laughs> the accordion playing healer. Fuck me, that sounds like a good gig. <laughs> how how important is um is shedding ego? Do you do you feel like you? Oh, it's all no. It's, it's, I mean, that's the do you, call. Do you work mean, at no. that? Do you work, do you have to work at that? In, in, I like, don't know. I mean, you know, hey, as an accordion player, you don't have to work too hard about losing <laughs> your ego. <laughs> There's the answer. That's the yes, sound. No, that's the soundbite for the soundbite for the episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. So listen to this. This is a good one that'll show you. You know, just I mean. There's a couple, talking about ego, there's a couple moments that really come to mind. One, mm -hmm. The first one that came to mind is I was in London playing a gig at a bar, mm -hmm. and um, I learned this pizza, another Piazzolla piece that sure, I learned. Sure. I was like going to play it in a bar. Like, yeah, you know, cool, people were cool. talking and doing their thing. It was more background music, but you know, yeah, people yeah. would listen sometimes. Great. And I finished playing this piece. The place erupted in applause, and I'm like, wow, I guess they really loved it. And then I turned around, and I saw that they had turned on the huge uh, TV <laughs> screen behind me, and there was like a football match, and someone had scored. <laughs> There you right. go. Right. There you so go. There that. you go. Now this, now this story. This is yeah. this is one that if I ever write a book, this is this definitely. I hope you do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A half a chapter. Yeah, yeah. So I used to play to put myself to Berkeley. I worked at a dueling piano bar. Have you ever been to a dueling piano bar? No, no. You haven't. Well, you haven't lived. <laughs> dueling, the dueling piano bar was basically for five to eight hours a night with these nightclubs where two pianists would play and they would each lead a song back and forth. And usually on oh the busy Christ. nights, there were four piano players playing, and okay. and the two would play for an hour, then they would t t tap out, and another two would. It was continuous music. 
Okay. So they had this place that I could see from my apartment and, and close to Fenway Park. There's a place called Jake Ivory's. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it was great because it was, it was money and, and I made a lot of money and the, the tips were insane and it, it was always crowded and it, it was more like crowd control than, than music because it was just loud and just yeah, yeah. totally yeah. crazy. Yeah. And you would get people to sing and people would write down their requests on like a napkin and, and put money in it and and throw it on the piano and you would like read the napkin and play the song Jeez, yeah 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 crazy the point where sometimes you'd get requests for the same song and then you would set up these kind of crazy things where you'd go okay we got 10 bucks for copacabana if someone brings a 15 we'll play something else and then somebody brings a 15 but then of course the person who wants copacabana brings up 20 industry tactics yeah it's a battle it's it's an arms race amazing (laughs) so so anyway, <laughs> we, uh, so uh, th- there was some crazy Machiavellian thing that happened where the guys who ran that club decided to start their own club because there was a, another company that was running. The, Hang on. The dueling, was- so dueling piano bar, a dueling bars, dueling piano bar bars. This is insane. <laughs> okay. So they left and they formed a place called Banana Bobs. Okay. Okay. All and right. This doesn't even sound real. I it sounds like you're making this shit up. It right. sounds like you're oh, making well, it up. It, well, it gets better. So <laughs> I didn't know anything. So I went with these guys because the guys had taught me the ropes. The guys who were starting this, a great guy who since passed away, Kevin Clover, he taught me. Really talented guy. Very funny guy. Mm. They told me because to be honest, I was very uncomfortable because there was a lot of comedy in it. And I wasn't a comedian, although I was a clown. I wasn't a comedian. I, thank you for I'm the distinction. Really, thank you. I, yes. I really loved, you know, playing yes. music. Yes. So they yes. taught me a lot about how to do things. And, and I was making a lot of money. I, I was like amazed. Okay. So. But shortly after I went to Bob's, I got a call from one of the other piano players who was behind the back of the guy that I was now working with and went to the owners of the original place and said, listen, I am not going to go to Banana Bob's. I will run the, the club. I will keep it running. So he totally pulled the rug out from these guys because they thought Jake Ivory's was going to close. Right. Okay. Okay. So this guy went behind the back, so but he was short on players because a lot of the players went to Banana Bob. So he he said, "Hey man, I need players. Will you come and play at Jake Ivory's? Um, as long as you don't mind me playing at Banana Bob, I can split my, split my time." Oh my God! So when I went back to Jake Ivory's, it was a different vibe there because this guy decided that he wanted more rock and roll piano and less shtick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what that meant was, you know, he didn't really want cursing on stage. He didn't want as much as a comedy. And I was like, great, man. I wasn't really into it anyway, so it's cool. Mm-hmm. And little by little, but Anna Bob's was starting to, you know, go flash a little bit. And I saw the writing on the wall. It's like, shit, you know, this isn't going to, but Anna Bob's isn't going to make it because it was a different location, whatever. So eventually I was starting at, at Jake Ivory's, you know. For the, after a couple of weeks, I was more at Jake Ivory's. Okay, there okay. was one night we would get a lot of bachelorette parties that would come into the club, and I'm okay. talking about these these women were from the suburbs, and they yeah, would yeah, wind yeah, up yeah. they yeah. would wind up having sex with the the bartenders in the back. The woman get married, like they were just oh wild. There were fights, there were fist fights between the the, the different bachelorette parties. Oh I mean, God. holes in the wall, and they yeah. would take their bras <laughs> off and throw them over the pipes that were in the club, and we had. 
I'm not kidding. We had like we would clean up like once a year. We had like twenty hefty bags full of expensive bras that we had to take down. Anyway, so, to, so I'm painting you the picture. All right, where, where where are we going? I have no idea, right. but I, I'm hook line and say I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I know you're not. Okay, so okay, so here I am. I'm at my new place. I'm like feeling comfortable. I just have to play rock and roll piano and sing. Sure, and, you know, sure. Do the job and. It's a bachelorette party, and they used to, before the, the the new guy took over, they had these cakes that they would serve with a big penis that came out of the cake, and the cake was, and the cake said to the girl, it said, here's to good things to come, spelled C-U-M, and then there were like little cum stains all over the cake, and they would bring the cake out to the bachelorette party. Oh, my party. God. Oh, my God. So there I was, you know, I, I was singing... You know, occasionally you, you'd be singing a song yeah. that would like actually mean something to you. It was very rare because you would beat the shit out of every song. Yeah, you know, Piano yeah, yeah, Man was played yeah. like a million times. But yeah. occasionally you'd play a song. And then you'd open your eyes and you'd see like a cake coming out. You okay. know, with a, a cock cake. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I thought that that was going to be... I just assumed that we were no longer having that because of this new thing. So when I saw it happening with the new guy, I was like... <laughs> Yo, Matt, I thought this stopped. And he's like, well, the kitchen is separate from the entertainment part. I don't have any control over that. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So I guess we got to deal with cockcakes. 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 So cockcakes. One, so, so one night, I'm playing American Pie. <laughs> and I get to the middle section that's really slow. And I'm telling you, the, the, the longer I live, the more this is like a jack, like a, a crazy kung fu movie that I heard. You know, when they slow it down and like yeah, the kick is yeah. coming through the air. Yeah. I heard the sound of something coming through the air like, right? And all of a sudden, I hear something slap into my face. And I look down, and all down my jacket and my 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 dress shirt is is whipped cream, and in my lap is a chocolate cock from the cock cake. Oh my god! Let me tell you. Oh my god! Let me tell you. I think I gave myself a kidney yeah. stone yeah. that night yeah. because what yeah. I wanted to do was actually pick the piano up and throw it into the order because I, <laughs> I didn't I, the only reason I was there is for the money I yeah. did not enjoy anything yeah. about it and I was yeah, also yeah. studying yeah. really esoteric stuff at Berkeley I was doing like computer music and y yes. coding and C and doing C sound and like yeah, yeah, studying yeah. bar bar talk and yeah yeah was sure. just a, so yeah so when I went home. My first wife, she was my girlfriend. She was living with me, and I told her what happened. She did what you just did, laughed hysterically, which, yeah. you know, comedy, what is it? Yes. Tragedy plus yeah. distance equals yeah, comedy. Yeah, 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 I didn't yeah. have the distance yet. No, 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 so no, I, no, no. I, I slept in the bathtub that night and for a few <laughs> nights after okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. And, then, and I also quit Jake Ivory's. That was the end of Jake yeah. Ivory's. And shortly yeah. after that is yeah. when I met Osvaldo, and that became my new wow. kind wow. of trajectory. Wow. But talk Holy about losing your cow. ego. Uh, Holy that cow. That, that one hurt. <laughs> I, was, I was halfway through that story of getting the dueling piano bar bars, and I'm thinking, where is he going with this? You know, sometimes the longer the story, the more exciting. Listeners, if you have made it this far, just uh, go, enjoy the cock hey, cake. Enjoy yeah, the exactly. cock cake. Is it it's a chocolate cock. It's a hey, payoff. Come on. It's it's the best punchline at the end. It's that punchline we were all waiting for, and I'm glad we got to enjoy it together. Man, this has been a true joy. I could. I, 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 one last question for you. I know you got to go. So one last yeah, question yeah. for you. Um, it, it, 
younger musicians getting into the game. Um, Advice, but I also want to squeeze in kind of a secondary question, because I know you got chops coming out the wazoo. How important are chops in the mix? Uh, How important is is practicing and really working at the thing for you to find your voice. I mean, it's really helped define who you are. Would it, would you, and, and, and then any other advice you might give to a young, aspiring musician? I, I think the most important thing, you know, I, I forget who it was. I think the guy's name is Ken Robinson. He gave a great sure, TED sure. talk. I haven't, I haven't yeah. watched it in years. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he was going on about how the most important thing we can teach kids is to be creative because the, the speed at which everything is moving is so fast that the stuff that we've learned, like traditionally when I was a kid in school, yeah. Yeah. if you do that same model, by the time the kids get out of the school, the stuff they've learned is obsolete. Very good point. So, good point. So, so, or mostly obsolete, you know, that, yeah, yeah. so, you know, I think creativity and developing, getting in touch with that creative, uh, spirit is, uh, the most important thing. And, and if you're really in touch with that, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the practice, you'll practice what's necessary to bring into the world, what you are, uh, you know, what you're aiming at you know you're going to open yourself up to that to be a channel for that creative process and whatever is necessary to achieve that the all the different parts of that process you will practice to uh you know that's the inspiration to practice that you need to be able to accomplish this to bring what you want to bring into the world wow so you know, I, I, it's hard to say, you know, I actually have a little, I don't really teach too much, but I actually have a, a six-year-old student now that's a friend of ours they, that wanted to take piano. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It's, and it's been a fascinating journey. You that's know, nice. I, yeah, I That's really nice to know that this it, six-year-old doesn't know he's got the, they've got the the, the, the greatest <laughs> accordion in the, uh, accordionist in the world. Do you open the lesson with that? You're like, listen, I'm the yes. best in the world, so sit down. No, no, that's incredible. That one student is so lucky to have to have you. And what are you learning in that process? Well, just a minute. I'm actually teaching him uh, like keyboard. He has a little keyboard. Okay, so, okay cool, cool, um, cool. But you know, it was amazing. Just just uh, Monday because I basically I teach him piano, and then his father is teaching me Spanish because his father's from Venezuela, and that's okay. So I, I just. It was amazing to me because I was trying to show him a groove, right? Because we're playing heart, where he's learning heart and soul, which isn't, mm-hmm. it just naturally evolved. Like, I didn't, I told his mother and his father, I was like, I'm not going to have any agenda. He might not be like, yeah. there's yeah. not going to be a recital. You know, he, like, we're just going to see where it all leads and just go where sure. he leads. Sure. So we wound up at that point and he's trying to do it. And I'm showing, like, how to play in a groove. We just started clapping, like, mm-hmm. on two and four. And I was mm-hmm. really trying to get into a groove. And I was looking in his eyes as I was clapping mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. he wasn't like clapping in the groove and i'm like f- at first i started to get a little frustrated like come on how yeah. hard is it to clap the two yeah, yeah. but then when i was looking into his eyes i saw how deeply he was really kind of paying attention and, and figuring i don't know what he was working on in his head mm. but he was really trying to figure stuff out and make mm. connections mm. so that's amazing to me it's mm. like mm. wow you know we don't remember what it's like to be like that you sure. know you know we, sure. we've forgotten sure. all this stuff because we've been doing it for so long it's like yeah. yeah so that's amazing to me and it's like it shows you everybody's got their own speed and their own thing you got to have patience it's again back to yeah. that empathy yeah. and compassion and trying yeah, nice, to resonate nice. with somebody where they're nice. at um you know i don't nice. have any advice other than that i really i didn't yeah i, I don't 
I don't know what to, other than that, what to say. You know, I think really compassion, empathy, and love, and, and creativity. Yeah, you, you know, you know? One, one of the one of the themes that's kind of thread through this talk has been the the idea of like you as a vessel for. I think that really shines through for me, and I like it. I really, I dig that that way of of thinking about why we create. You're just kind of channeling it through. You know, you're you're a radio station. You know, it's a. Dave Clark talks about that in episode two. So, friends, do yourself a favor. Go all the way back. Listen to Dave Clark. I'm going and then back. I'm going back. Oh, we're going to pair that. We're going to pair that. It's like a nice, a fine wine. So, look, I, 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 I get to know you more with every every conversation. You just get better for me. It's uh, it's a real honor as I, I open this interview and just saying to to get to know you through through the incredible music, but. Um, your sense of humor, all of it, you know, and then the clowning side really, I, there's so much. I'm really, I appreciate all that you shared today, and um, I wish you well, man. I just, I wish you all the best, and I love you, man. I really appreciate what you're love up you to. Love you too, man. I can't yeah. wait to uh, get back up there. You come back down here, whatever it is, and we hang out more and learn more about each other. And Good, uh, good, good. You know, keep making music. Keep, yeah. keep bringing beautiful things into the world. Right on. Back at you, man. Take care. Love you. Take care. Bye, bye. Thank you so much, Michael, for being on the podcast. Wasn't that a hoot? Uh, let us know what you're thinking about the podcast. You can reach me at friendlyrich.com. And uh, we're going to stick with this New Orleans theme next time on the podcast. Jay Pennington from the Music Box Village in New Orleans and one of the creators of Bounce Music. So very excited to speak with Jay. So look out for that. That was episode number 147 with Michael Jude ward Bergerman. Um and we're going to end today's episode with a piece, an upcoming piece that uh, Michael did with Mark Rubin on the bass and David Bookbinder. Um, he wrote this as a take on the unearthly Roma vocalist Donna Dimitri Simonica. So uh, they did. They um, Michael, Mark, and David performed this at uh, a virtual performance recently at part of Calais Canada 2021. It's called Simply Simonica. That makes sense. Enjoy, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.